Welcome to the... <laughs> no, 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 I can't do that. Let's try another one. Uh, how about this? <laughs> no, no, that won't work either. Let's try this. get on board with that. Let's roll with it. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. On this episode, I talked to my good friend Alex Gonzalez about his TEDx talk from February 2020 titled Innovation DNA Defined. I've always wanted to do a TED talk, so I used this opportunity to understand how it came about, what the preparation was like, and what it felt like to be on that stage. We also dive into the topic itself, talking about corporate innovation, fusion tolerance, and being your authentic self. And hey, while I've got you, definitely consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. I have a lot of great guests lined up that, trust me, you won't want to miss. Okay, let's get into it. Hey, Alex, how's it going? It's going great. Another wonderful day, and I'm sure we're going to have many, many more great conversations today and throughout 2021. You know it. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm excited. We've got a slate of topics that we're going to be hitting and guests that we're working on. So, um it's going to be uh, a fun year, but I have um a topic for today that I want to get into because you've done something that's on my list that I still haven't haven't been able to figure out how to put together. So, part of this is me oh boy. interviewing you to figure out how I can do this. Um you Maybe get... I won't give you the real answers depending on what it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. No, it's not competitive. Um, okay. Never. You, you did uh, your your first uh, TEDx talk. Um, I think yeah. it came out in February of 2020. Um, maybe you recorded it before that, but um, yeah. tell me first, was that something that had always sort of been on your list? Were you looking to do that? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did yeah. that happen? Yeah, and it was uh, specifically TEDx Centennial Park Women, um, which is one of the uh, two TEDx's that are, at least two that are in Atlanta now, but um, um, you know, to be honest with you, Jeff, I was I was not necessarily seeking it out, and um, I, you know, definitely a ton of respect for for TED and and what TED is, obviously the big TED and also TEDx. Um, but it, you know, and and you and I are both in the uh, the speaking circuit, and both in terms of what we do in our core job, and also just speaking in general in terms of our thought leadership stuff. Um, and 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 frankly, it came across where someone reached out. Um, to really, first of all, uh, get some thoughts about some topics for, for uh, this TEDx. And then it just one thing led to another. And I kind of went through this process of becoming a speaker. But, but, but in all honesty, it was not something I was like, had this, like I know that a lot of people have these campaigns and how do I get on these TEDx? I frankly probably did not really have full value or understanding of, of really the power of it um, until I was really almost after it. But yeah, so I wasn't necessarily seeking it out initially. Yeah, um, I, I watched. Of course, I've seen and I rewatched it for this um, 
for this talk because I, I had some specific questions. But one of the things that um, I was really impressed with, I mean, I've, I've seen you speak before, but it seemed extremely polished. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it seemed, you know, it seemed natural, um, but it also seemed like you had thought about it. I remember I was at a, an event. This will this will tell you how long ago this was when Kasim Reed was the mayor. And uh, for whatever reason, it was the only conversation I ever had with him. Um, we, it was like at a, at a cocktail thing. And uh, he was talking about the fact that he was in the middle of um, rehearsing for his mm -hmm. upcoming TED. I, I don't remember if it was a TED or TEDx. Um, and and he, was, he was very frustrated because he kept sending his his draft of his talk in and they kept rejecting it <laughs> and saying, no, you, you've got to change this, that, and the other. And he's like, I've never had that before. Like, he's like, I've given these huge talks before, yeah. but I've never been like critiqued this much. And so what was the process like? So you decide you're going to do it or you, you get asked and, and you say, um, what's the process from that point getting to the talk? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that with, with Kasim because uh, because there was a little bit of speaker ego. I, I have to admit, and I'm sure some of the, uh, you know, coaches I had or people would, would acknowledge it because it's like, you know, I give, I speak all the time and I've done mm. it. I've been, you know, I've gone in my corporate world through executive coaching on it. I've done it in front of thousands of people. I've done it in front of analysts. I've been, you know, I've done the, the whole gamut. So you know, what the hell can you get? But, but, you know, it's interesting, the, the, the topic wise, it worked out. So, you know, so part of it, the selection process too, is very topic driven. And, and, you know, one thing they, I would say every TED or TEDx looks for is authenticity to the topic. And is it unique? And are you not selling, you know, because I think that's a mistake some people make is where they're, they're effectively selling through their, through their speech. And that's what that's not about. I mean, it's really about sharing ideas for the world. So from there, what um, you, uh, you know, when they accept you, they accept you kind of the broadly speaking for your whatever that topic is, and you have an outline already for your topic. And then you get paired with the speaker coach and um, mm. or coaches. And, and there's really two dimensions they're looking at. Uh, one is there's a process of actually preparing your presentation, um, like visually and message wise. And uh, then the second is the actual later on is the actual delivery of it. Um, and, you know, the and that's where I, I you, know, you kind of go with these drafts going back and forth. Fortunately, I would say, um, as I talked about the you know, DNA innovator and all that stuff, it was not there was not a lot of uh, draft revisions going on because one of the things that I, it was a brand new. So this already had some kind of kind of like you some key keynotes already. Mm -hmm presented, but I kind of really took to heart where they say they don't want, they want something original. Yeah. So I drafted something from scratch, but it was taking it from, taking it to frankly, some of the stuff that I've been working on for this, for, for, for my book, that was the first time I was going to present it to the world. So that kind of, in a weird way, came together pretty good and the outline was good and it was, and it's tight. It's, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it was under 11 minutes. Um, so yeah, so that part in terms of the content development, you kind of go back and forth with the coach and you virtually make it and you get the graphics done and all that type of stuff. And then you get to the point of, uh, the presentation, which there is, there is, I actually had more content editing during the, during the presentation coaching than during the actual core content development. Interesting. And were you, were you like literally rehearsing in front of, you know, in front of the coach or with the coach or how did that work? Yeah. So, um, so now obviously this is pre-COVID, but um, so after, after you get your content and you uh, you end up going, um, and this was a, an actual lo local PR firm that was working with this TEDx that did it. 
and you get, get with a professional coach and you present to them, um, you, you, you book like a big block of time and you just kind of go over and over to your presentation. I forgot if I ended up doing that. I guess maybe you did that maybe once or twice. No, I did it twice. So one time I went one-on-one -on -one with a coach and, and that's where there was more content editing. It was, and actually it was great. And that's when I finally, when the ice started melting in terms of, you know, I know what I'm doing. Cause it was really like, they knew what they were doing. And, and frankly, that's where some editing came in in terms of being a little bit more, what I call vulnerable in the speech yeah. and bring a little bit more personalization. So there was a lot of focuses on hooks and how do you get people drawn into it? And kind of the Ted style of telling a story, which is you tell it through personal, through stories that get yeah. to the content. Uh, but that you do so you do that in terms of this one-on-one -on -one session in the studio then you end up going to um uh maybe there was three sessions or maybe there was a second session but then there's finally one session where you go in front of the actual kind of organizers you know um and you and you give the presentation there's final coaching and then finally you know the day before you have a rehearsal on stage mm -hmm. and all that stuff which by yeah. then you know was pretty pretty sealed that's, up that's i mean has to be the most you've prepared for a talk right like no question. Most recently, yeah, and it, which you know, when I reflect back on it, I think it was good because it kind of really, you know, mm -hmm. it, and it, it was also a new talk. So it, I will say that the particularly the delivery part of it, I, I'm not a script person at all um, mm -hmm. on, on anything. I, you know, you and I, as we work together, you know, we don't work off you know written scripts, and so. Um, so it was good to kind of go. So you understand what the main messages you want to deliver on each page, but yeah, it, it was the most I've probably had to prepare for any one, uh, case, yeah. but as I went through the process, I really appreciated what they were doing because right. it's, it makes it the whole thing beautiful and elegant. What is, what is your, what is your typical process? You're, you're going to give a 30 minute talk, 15 Q and a, um, I don't think I've ever seen you have notes really. Um, mm. it may be a slide if, if that's appropriate, but how do you prepare for something like that in terms of being ready to step on stage? Are you memorizing certain parts? Are you rehearsing it in your head? I mean, how do you normally? Yeah, I rehearse in my head. I may do uh, end up, you know, doing some, uh, whether it's with with other people who are involved with it or, 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 or even a family, depending on the talk. Um, I do end up kind of running through it because um, so it starts with the storytelling, which, of course, coming from my strategy side, it starts with, you know, what is the story and the flow that I want to tell? And that, that could go on for a while. It, to me, it's no, no different than writing a blog or a book. Right. What's the sequencing of things? Yeah. And um, I'm a big person in terms of visuals, you know, and then what are the visuals that go through it? So kind of getting that like if I'm just going to talk through this informally, if possible, I try to find an informal venue, no different than a comedian when they say they go to like a small, you know, club yeah. of 20 people before they go on stage. Because when you say it out loud, as you know, Jeff, things are different when you say it out loud, yeah, yeah. but I don't script. I, I have key points for each one. These are the two or three things I want to get out of it. And it also gives me malleability and flexibility because depending on the audience, I might change what I say, but I just, but to be honest with you, I mean, a big part for the slides for me, there's no word. I try to have no words in them mm -hmm. if possible, but it's visual reference to say, this is what I need to say in the story. Okay. Of course, as right. you go on to it and you're on your 50th time saying it, then you could kind of give it, you know, in your sleep, but that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of my process going through it. You haven't, you haven't given a talk since that one or have you? No, you must have. Cause that you recorded that in nine, 29, end of 2019, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I have no, I've given many, uh, yeah. in fact, during, even during this COVID area, I probably, okay. I probably had a, um, it wasn't that one, but I've probably given a, in fact, I think I remember giving a few presentations for like vi virtual audiences of, mm -hmm. you know, around a thousand and all that. So 
So yeah, so I, I definitely have spoken to it, but um, but you know, part of it, it's to me, it's just like anything else. What's what's kind of your core speeches you want to do? What's the stuff that you could kind of what I call riff on? You know, that you could get kind of freelance talk, which is more Q and A. But on the core stuff you want to say, it's introducing content. And there are certain things I talk about when I talk about innovation ecosystems, and that's a very tight keynote package I already do. Mm-hmm. What I do with TEDx is trying to introduce some stuff around innovators DNA. So to me, it's like almost having different topics you could bring into the equations. Yeah, I was curious because um, I had um, a somewhat similar experience with one talk I did. It was it was called Purpose on Tap. And it was, um, you know, yeah, around 10 minutes, but it was like, I had to get it approved. The, the, the talk track, I, they, they did a provide a coach that, that, you know, it was the first time I ever had like a coach for a talk. I had to literally do the talk. It, it was always over the phone. Um, but, uh, cause, cause the coach wasn't in Atlanta, but, um, it, it, it was definitely, I had a moment of like, gosh, I've given so many talks in front of huge crowds. Like, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I did learn some things and I became a better speaker from that. And I've used some of those, some of the things that I learned from that in all future talks. And so I was curious since you were able to, to give uh, in-person talks anyway, in, in so, sort of Q1 of 2020, were there some key tips you're like, yeah, I need to make sure I have this element or, or did it, did it not really shape too much, but uh, maybe just gave you a different process? Like how did it impact future talks? So, so I'd say t- t- two things. So one is for that talk, it really kind of installed it rapidly, right? I mean, it really helped getting it, you know, nailing it down. And by the way, I hate rehearsals. And and, and to give you context, even in the corporate world, and I was, you know, at Equifax, and we would do these big, um, you know, annual leadership conferences and someplace around the world and all that. And, 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 and as a t- senior team, we would present there and, you know, and we would have to have rehearsals. So the, my point is I've been to this rehearsal cycle where people yeah. micromanage your content even more so than this, to be honest with you, because, you know, in the business world, people want to make sure you hit this point. And so you have communications, people doing this, make sure you say this and all that, which just, but, but, and that's when they want it scripted. And, and I'm like, uh-uh, I, I don't want anything and no script. I'm not reading teleprompters. So, I, so you've kind of been through it, but, but, so, but I, but one thing that does, it does install it quickly. And, but I've learned back then is to, is to take the coaching, then make it your own. So I learned a while back that um, I got to make it my own because if I follow someone, how someone else speaks, I, I'm doing, I'm just, it's yeah. going to kill it. But um, I would say that in terms of even more on the content side, to be honest with you, the um, element of bringing elements of personal stories into it, um, which to me is somewhat intuitive, but that vulnerability piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, it, it's also hard to find a good, you know, speaker coach. And, and we had some, some pretty good people with this one. That is something that now is I'm bringing into as much I can, both in terms of not only when I speak, but even in, if you look at some of the even blogs I've done mm-hmm. um, over the course of this past year since then, that I'm bringing those elements to it. So in this TEDx speech, I talk about um, how I feel like I was a contradiction, yep. you know, all my growing up all my life, how um, the impact of being an immigrant, um, how, you know, I felt like a outsider, you know, and, and, and even within the Latin community, if I like, you know, all those elements, yeah. which I never really talked about, I brought into the speech. Um, but that has shaped me into bringing more vulnerable elements, even to, to everything I do when I share content. Yeah, well, that so that that's actually the first thing I wanted to talk about. So, so everyone should... Um, uh, I guess is the best place to go to YouTube. Is that where you would point people? Yeah, we could put a link on it. And, and by the way, one of the coolest things that I did not, again, I didn't really appreciate, but um, um, eventually um, 
uh, it gets, um, cause all of a sudden my social media was dinging one day when and it, it's several months after you speak at a TEDx, all of a sudden it shows up on their global YouTube yeah. channel and which has millions of followers and not saying you're going to get a million views or anything, but it, it is, yeah. it is pretty cool that even though there's a high volume of it, it is pretty cool to be on that channel, but yeah, we'll put a link to the, to the yeah, talk for there. sure. And so the talk is called innovation DNA defined. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's wonderful. Um, I mean, it really is, uh, really, really tight. Uh, you have some great stories. Um, you, you reference, um, some other great leaders. It's, it's fantastic. The first thing that, um, I did want to ask about is that idea that, you know, you say I'm a contradiction. Um, so yeah. can you talk about that for just a moment? Yeah. You know, I, I think part of this was being reflective and I, I think the timing for this was coming back to, you know, even working on, on, you know, where do I want this whole element of my book and what do I want to write about? And, and this was bring a lot of that into this TEDx talk. It was the first chance, which is how I, how I sold it when they asked me about it was how to bring it forward. Um, but yeah, for, to be in contradiction was why the heck am I so interested in innovation and, 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 and it's bigger than just about technology, right? Because people usually think innovation is technology. And so that was really about getting the sense of reason why I'm into this whole thing of disrupting things and being innovative was mm. I think if I think it's because I grew up as a contradiction, I, you know, and I, so I brought my personal story of, you know, from being an immigrant to kind of growing up as a kid to trying to fit in and pretend, not pretend, but, you know, to, trying to being fit in was like, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. And, and maybe you almost not acknowledging that, you know, I'm this Cuban American, you know, born someplace else because you know, I was trying to fit in with other people. Mm -hmm. And yet then sometimes when I would get into Latin communities, I felt like an outsider because I, I just didn't know where to fit in. And so sometimes I, I felt like a contradiction and all that. And also just, um, and I talk quite a bit about, um, or I talk a little bit also about I was almost oblivious to the point of that I should have been a statistic, you know, this mm -hmm. Spanish kid growing up in not so great areas in many cases and being able to have this great success. So I view that so much, even what I've been able to do with life, it's probably a contradiction for some, some people. So bringing that personal element was a little bit of reflection on me and why am I even interested in this topic about innovators DNA? Yeah. And, um, but I, th and why do I like pushing boundaries? And I think it's because I always grew up being comfortable and being a contradiction, even when I didn't realize I was one. Yeah, no, it was a really great context to then have you talk about, um, various components of what you see as, um, maybe being, um, part of, uh, being an innovator. And, yeah. and you do make the point that it's, you know, it, it's, it's certainly broader than technology. You talk about um, a, a few concepts um, like embracing conflict, um, mm -hmm. confusion tolerance, um, which we've talked about on this show. Yeah. Um, one of the things though, that I, that I really loved, um, you know, when I talk about, uh, you know, what, what drives success for leaders, um, you know, or a business, you know, to me, <clears throat> it's less about the idea than it is about the execution. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't use the, I don't think you use the word execution or execute in, in your talk, but you definitely get to a point where you say, um, it's not enough just to have sort of innovative ideas or innovative DNA, or be comfortable with being uncomfortable, like you, you know, all those things are required, but you also have to understand the business that you're in and you have yeah. to understand how to motivate and bring people along because um, otherwise nothing really happens. Right. right. And so I, I think I, I don't normally hear people um, talk about that juxtaposition of concepts of like, 
yes, you have to be innovative from a mindset, um, but you also have to be able to do the work and you have to be able to make things happen, right? Like you don't use this word either, but like the internal politics of a company, like you can be the most creative or, or, you know, thought provoking person, but if you can't move people to get them to grab onto that or go with you, then you're not going to get anything done. So is that, I guess, couple of questions there. Is that something that you see that's missing from lots of people when people tell you um, they're at a company that's boring, they're not able to get things done? Is it mostly that they don't know how to do that piece of it? Um, is that the harder thing for people to actually do? You know, you know, it's interesting Jeff, because you brought up the kind of the kind of the core of, you know, again, as I do this speech and, and as I write this book and all that kind of a big part of it. And this whole contradiction piece is when people think about innovation, it's free flowing, it's idea generation, it's all this stuff. It's creativity, but the, the part that I try to bring into it is a reality of there's constraints. So this is where the contradiction, this is where that, that parallel to my personal contradiction yeah. is to really be successful, particularly in large organizations or any organization, um, you, 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 need a, you, you need to know, and I, I, I used, and I forget if we want to put an E on this, uh, on this YouTube or, or, or this podcast, but you didn't know your SH and I put a star T, I, I, which by the way, was an interesting process of TEDx because they weren't sure, am I, are we allowed to say it on stage? I think I do, but you need to know your stuff. And, um, and that is just such a mistake. I've seen people that they're like, oh, you know, I, I'm in this innovation center, I'm here or whatever. And, I, and, and that connection to understanding where your business is it's all relevant. I mean, it, it's all irrelevant if you don't understand if your business is in survival mode or not, if your business is in growth mode or not. If Because at the end of the day, none of this, the fun side of innovation is relevant if you don't right. push it against the contradictions that cause it to try to become irrelevant. And the innovators, the ones that have that innovators DNA kind of live in that space where it's mushy and ugly and and makes you want to vomit. I think I even mentioned there how, how Beth Comstock, you know, who, who used to be, a, was a GE before, she always mentioned that the growth leaders always feel like they're going to throw up when they had their idea because you are at that conflict point. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, that's really, um, that to me is the most important piece of it. Mm-hmm. You, you could do, I mean, it's going back to the, all, to the <clears throat> leadership adage, you know, like Jack Welch used to mention, anybody could be a manager, but not everybody could be a leader. Yeah. You could manage a short, you could manage a short term, you could manage a long term, it's making both uh, work what makes leaders. And yep. that to me is the essence of innovation, for sure. Absolutely. You know, like, <clears throat> you know, if you think about someone like Edison, it wasn't that he had these ideas, it was that he did the work. I mean, I don't know what the <clears throat> number is on the light bulb, but he's like, I had to fail 5,000 times yeah. before I created the light bulb. Right. And people lose sight of that. I think from an entrepreneurship perspective in general, they think it's like this, this, you know, sexy, always exciting oh, yeah. and, and it's always problem solving. And actually it's just a ton of hard work um, to do anything. Right. And so that I think was to me, I thought that was the most powerful part of your talk was that um, you, you hit that right on the head and said, you, you have to be able to do the work. You have to be able to execute. You can't, you have to be able to be a leader. I mean, that was a part of what you talked about. You have to be able to motivate and inspire people. I think you said that about Kat Cole. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's a great example of, she pushes forward and she's uh, an operator, but um, she, she, un, she lives in that juxtaposition um, to, to make things happen. And, and, but I've had many conversations that I've coached. Um, y- usually people are on one side or the other, right? They're so operational that they lose sight of taking a risk or they are so like, you know, 
frustrated with their company. And sometimes this happens, particularly in corporations where this, they don't get it. My CEO doesn't get it. And then I'll bring up these, I'll ask like five questions that I think I talk in the talk about, you know, do you know your market? Do you know this? Do you know that? What's, what's your core? Are your shareholders currently activists? Are, are, are you a value stock or not? And they look at me like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, all that stuff matters because it doesn't mean, it may not change your journey. It may not change where you want to go, but it, it sure as heck changes the journey that you need to be on. Definitely. All those things matter. And that's, I think, a big part that is missing. And so when people talk about innovation, yeah. um, it's, it's usually just about the idea side. And, and then, on the, and, and, but you got to make all those things mash together to work. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Well, my, my final um, question um, is around the way you end the talk. Um, you, you have this really great line at the end. You're, you're talking about how um, people, you know, if you can live your authentic life and be your mm -hmm. authentic self, if you can become confusion tolerant, if you can be comfortable with uncomfortability, um, then you can be bold and brilliant. Um, yeah. And I just thought that was bold and brilliant. So I, I would love for you to talk about that for a moment because I, I have to bet as you have worked with people on, um, on them becoming um, more innovative, um, you've probably seen sparks happen and probably even for yourself, right? The more mm -hmm. you've been able to lean into um, entrepreneurship and innovation, the more it's probably lit up something inside of you. So can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny, the bold and brilliant, I'll, I'll tell you the secret. That's how I ended up getting that that gig on TEDx because that was actually their theme for that year for that TEDx. It was ah, and brilliant. perfect. And, 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 and so I say that, that, but authentically that line went in there and it was perfect. And so my point being is I think when we, why there wasn't this like recarving of what are you saying? Cause you're trying to manipulate it because when I talked about this innovators DNA concept, it was like, well, this is exactly what we're trying to communicate out to our audience with, uh, with this particular TEDx. So yeah, wrapping up the bold and brilliant was just a nod that this thing was 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 together. But yeah, no, I, I think it is great seeing the sparks. Um, I, I always come back to the, what you mentioned before this authenticity piece. Um, the, it works when everything's authentic and it comes together. And some of these leaders I mentioned, I think, and they're into the talk, whether it was Cat Cole or Ford Fry or Ben Chestnut or or whomever. Um, there's this authentic place that they're at that helps them drive forward and and by the way it's not always using authority it's just using mm -hmm. authenticity of you know who their customers are their employees whatever to be able to move people and inspire people to move forward so when a leader gets to that point where it's um and and it becomes an intangible part jeff that 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 is really hard for some folks and when they're looking for that exact formula mm -hmm. um you know, what as I say, if it's not coming from within that authentic self where there's some vulnerability happening on your end to be able to inspire and move others in this direction of what could be massive change for someone that's going to change their lives. Um, that's that authentic point you got to get to and where you believe it um, and, and deal with the consequences that come from, from it. But yeah, no, it, it, that is that is a magical point. And that's what my desire is, whether it's this speech or writings is to get people to that point or understand how, how that journey works. Mm, yeah. Well, it's, as I said, it's a powerful talk. Um, I was, uh, I was just as sort of pumped up at the end, the second time watching it than as I was the first time. So I recommend it to everybody. And, um, Hey, are you gonna, you think you're going to try to do another one one day? Oh, uh, you know, if, if, uh, well, look, I'll be speaking, you know, as much as possible and yeah, you know what, I definitely, um, uh, came to really understand the value of TEDx um, and TED in general. So yeah, if the opportunity, if the authentic, I'll go back to the authentic opportunity comes mm -hmm. up, 
to do it again, um, I would do it, you know, uh, and uh, for sure. Um, it's definitely a valuable platform, both in terms of not just the audience you get and the delivery you get, or that you're able to say you spoke at it, but it's a good process. And I think it's a good process for anybody who has a chance to do it. So what my, my recommendation for anybody, if they do get a chance to get on any TEDx platform is um, go ahead and lean into it and, um, and um, you could get a good result for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that experience. Well, thanks to you, Jeff. And that was, that was uh, uh, great. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at, uh, you know, probably the big TED stage one day, you know, I'm sure. Uh, we'll that would be, that was, that's the dream. I think that's probably for both of us. So maybe, maybe we'll be doing a back and forth interview on that uh, big stage. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd, be, yeah, that'd be pretty cool as well, too. <laughs> so good. So Jeff, nice seeing you again. Yeah, same. Maybe we'll see everybody again soon. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com. And I really do appreciate you listening. 